I'm Ryan Johnson. I'm Tyler Schmidt. I'm Lou Janu. And this is Car Talk, a podcast about trading cards. We're here to teach you everything you need to know about flipping cards. Whether it's the next breakout rookie, a new Magic the Gathering release on the way, or Pokemon's 25th anniversary, we'll break it all down. So sit back and listen up. Those cards collecting dust in your closet could make you some real cash. Welcome to Card Talk. All right, well, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to Card Talk. I'm Ryan, joined with Lou and Tyler, as always. Going to get right into today's episode with uh, something that's on our all of our minds here with a recent, uh, some recent increase in prices coming out of PSA. So for those that didn't see, last Thursday morning, uh, got an email from PSA that pricing, uh, that they were making some changes. Most important change being that uh, prices went up. So this was uh, around the 20-day submission price that went up as well as um, for preferred pricing customers, there was an increase in pricing on ultra-modern or modern submissions. It looked like PSA, from my understanding, PSA got rid of the like the pack the collectors club packages it said that they were sold out of those where like if you're never graded with psa before you can buy like a collectors club and submit cards that way with like through a discount you'd sign up like basically be a member of psa um i think you got like a book bag or something if you did it that way before i'm not sure if lou or tyler can touch on that but like you got no idea what that is yeah it's like a collector's club you sign up for it you get like a voucher for cards to be graded i think it's like 15 or 20 dollars a card um so it was was something on the website again i remember seeing about it but i never uh never did it backpack sounds interesting yeah again i don't know if it was a backpack i'm uh looking at the email now um you get a card collector two hoodie i mean that would be pretty cool i would love to partner with psa on that broker the deal yeah i mean that sounds great um but yeah, I mean, they added a uh, deal directory. They talked about, um, again, the email's got a lot of different things in it. But again, the big what's, thing. Uh, right, yeah. What's like the biggest impact for someone that's grading regularly? Is there impact for someone that's grading regularly direct? Direct on, like, if you wanted to submit cards to your by yourself to PSA. Correct. Uh, my understanding is from reading the email and talking to other people that grade, um, like other graders, that you can't send in like you can't sign up for the collector's club so you would basically just pay standard pricing mm-hmm. so you would pay standard pricing whatever is on the website you'd pay shipping to psa you'd have psa shipping charges on the back which can be a little bit a uh, little little bit expensive mm-hmm. um but my understanding is there's no real um, like it, it's not going to stop you again. You can't sign up for the collector's club to get that discounted, like mm-hmm. 10, 20 so card voucher. Cut the discount club or the, mm-hmm. the yeah, the collector's club. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It says That's that they're done. not issuing any new vouchers. They sold out of those. And then so where again, did, what's the main where, who will feel the price increased the most people submitting our, the 20 day price went up a bunch. It, it jumped significantly. It went up $5 and from uh, 20 to 25, uh, the cost went up $5. Our price jumped up 25 to 28 is mm-hmm. what we put ours at. Um, but most of them went – I mean the cost went up $5. Got it. Got um, it. So yep. Got the it. cost went up there. That's the biggest one. And again, if you're not like preferred pricing, so if you're not like one of the elite PSA submitters, um, 
you the, the ability to submit cards like 45 damn my understanding is is they they remove that option so Got i don't it. even know i don't even know if you can do that through the website i haven't checked like if you can just like if tyler yeah. you could sub cards yeah um but I can't do that a 45 day anymore bulk it's it's called economy so right. the, the understanding is is they cut that to um be able to catch up on some of the orders yeah so my understanding is, is they're doing it for the preferred pricing customers, the ones that have been tenured with PSA for a while, mm-hmm. but removing that for everyone else because there's, it sounds like they're really far behind. Well, they're probably getting an influx of, sure. uh, well, not uh, oh, across the board, but this is probably, you know, so what I'm hearing is higher priced for quicker turnaround and almost cutting out or pausing most long turnaround that's coming in because they're probably getting beaten on. Everyone is just doing the higher, the quicker turnaround. And then they are having struggles probably getting to longer turnaround submissions because they can't even get through higher turnarounds. So they want to say, okay, if you're going to keep coming in higher, now that's the only way you can come in and it's going to be more expensive. And the stock price is doing well. Stock price is doing great. I, I think this morning today, it's like $58. I sold it at 25 in December. Oh, gosh. Sold a good bit of it. How quickly till it gets to a hundred? I don't know. Eighteen I'm not, months. I'm not sure. I'm not. A, I know more about cards than I do about stocks. Yeah, that was stock market talk, brought to you by Card Talk. <laughs> yeah. Stock price seems to be our guys over at Stock Card Talk. <laughs> but, but seriously, with the way that I mean, we t- we've talked about this before. The market says at the moment we want graded cards. Yeah. So again, Lou and I talked about this tie before you jumped on, like. This is probably not the last time that this happens. Like the, the the market says, "Hey, we want graded cards." Everybody talks about PSA. PSA is the leader in this space. Yeah, people aren't yeah. going to grading cards. Like five dollars for eight out of ten customers isn't going like isn't going to change your answer on a twenty day. You're still going to submit cards. It, 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 and it, it eventually on the margins a little bit though like sure, there's 100%. i'm sure there's a lot of people who bought they're buying cards for seven dollars raw to try to get nines and tens that they could sell for uh 55 dollars. that that becomes a little bit of a tougher game sure absolutely and and do do you, lou is that is that intentional right so does psa want people to not grade every card or they just want to make more money in the like obviously they want to make money, but what is is that part of the intention? I know absolutely nothing, but I would imagine that it's a little bit of both. Of course, it's in their business to make more money. And I think also you can I think if you're them, you can test not test the limits of how high you can go, but sort of like sure test the system of like, all right, so at what point do we start getting a dramatic downturn in grading? Yeah. At which at, at, because once you go up, it's hard to go back down again, right? But there's they got they're probably trying to find the balance between like, all right, what's an affordable cost for collectors and buyers and sellers who want to submit with us that allows us to make the most amount of money, but also doesn't completely backload our system to the point where people have cards at PSA for six, eight, ten months. Yeah, I think about it like uh, if you were buying Kevin Durant ones or twos, his sneaker. Uh, I don't think it was until the Kevin Durant threes that they sold for over a hundred dollars. The first two signature shoes that he put out were $90. It was less demand. They created less, but there's less demand. Then they just kept pricing, pricing, pricing. Like his shoes are over $200 now. 
because if they sell a little bit less, they now know we're going to create the amount that are going to sell through at that price and make better margins, create more demand. The, the, someone shared on Twitter, like, and I wish Matt, I don't know, Jason, maybe you can find it right now of the year over year growth of, of cards graded by PSA. And it it is absolutely, absolutely astounding. Even in a four year window, it's like gone berserk and it's going to keep going that. And if they steady out and they're at the prices that they're at now compared to where they were four years ago, that's a win for them. It's it's like market research, bro. It's like this hasn't happened before here. So like they have to figure out what the balance is. Like to like it's insane for people to be like and shout out the zipper for the appearance in the background here. But he's like it's insane to assume that like they're supposed to just only charge, you know, six dollars or whatever or or well, it's like dollars forever. If you like, set up the lemonade and outside the crib and you're slanging lemonade at twenty five cents and you can't even keep up, it's like all right. Well, we're not going to get to the dude at the end of the line anyway. So, like, it might as well be 60 cents because if you don't want to buy it at 60 cents, the next person might. And guess what? Now, if we sell one cup at 60, it's more than two at 25. So, it's it's pretty much like basic business operations that hasn't happened inside cards until today or inside of grading until today. Right. Like, I'm sure tops as, as much as we've talked about, you know, like overproduction and all that stuff, I'm sure tops and panini have pretty good they have a, a pretty good idea of how much they can print based on past sales and allocation from their major retailers and all that stuff to to get a good gauge on it i'm not sure that exists for a psa or a bgs or an sgc especially if you're psa there's a whole other part of this where psa is probably like wait we have the biggest brand name in this whole thing among newer people like we should be trying to raise the value of our brand like just the overall like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh like but- prestige of psa in Again, so like when, when since we do grading submissions, when like Thursday happened, it was like, "Hey, how does this affect you? Like, what's the new cost going to be?" Like, it blew up. But in like in PSA's eyes, like if you see it from PSA's perspective, like are they really charging that much? Right? If it's twenty eight dollars to grade a card twenty day, it's not coming back at twenty days. It's right around two and a half months. Right? That's a good target to shoot for. Two and a half. I'd months. pay more. Uh, and, but hear me out on this. You got you buy a Kyler. What's a Kyler Prism Raw do? 150 bucks? I'm checking right now. Uh, so for the point of this, while Lou checks it up, I'll say $150. Mm-hmm. You send it in. It costs $20. Let's say it costs $20 a grade. That's just what we charge. 28 bucks, And it comes back a PSA 10. That's $1,000. By the way, the last one for $76. 76 raw. So we'll say 100 for easy math. We'll split. Yep. You're in the card for $130. $130. And back a 10. It's a thousand. Of course, tens is a. Th- let's, you know, I think, and honestly, when I think about this, I think about cards I'm grading. Yep. Nine is the real Shoot number because, yeah, because a PSA nine is still selling for 182 bucks. You can still make. You're still making fifty dollars. Yeah, you're making you fifty bucks every bucks. single time. So again, you wait two and a half months. Now, again, we talked about this before. You send it in. Kyler doesn't do very well. That card could drop. Right. It, it works both ways. If it stays consistent at 180 dollars, you made fifty dollars a card. So there's definitely room there. And that's assuming it doesn't even get the best grade possible. If it gets a 10, whole different ball game. So PSA is charging a fraction of the cost to give you that. Like they're the ones that give that that value, right? It's and a, that's in how their it works with everything. That's how it works with everything. You know, uh, I'm trying to think of like Kellogg's sells their cereal to uh, Walmart for X 
Walmart upcharges it X, another whatever percent to sell to the consumer. Like, of course, that's how these things work. It's mm-hmm. in PSA's interest to figure out what the highest they can charge is without completely diluting the whole thing. Because, of course, if, if they start charging $150. College. Huh? College. College, yeah. Yeah. College, yeah. Yeah, it's going to be 10% more. Everyone still wants to come. Yeah, that's how can it we goes. can we do 10% more? Yeah, if, if, exactly. You're not like I wouldn't have not gone to Ohio State. Now if you like, can't hey. get a job unless you go. So yeah, that's 100%. So, by the way, actually, that's a that's an unintended thing you just said there, because as Ryan was talking the other, last about last week, like people I don't think I'm not sure if it was Ryan. I think I was talking to last week, but like people don't really want to buy raw cards anymore. I said that. They, yeah. Yeah. They only want to buy great and they cards. only buy them if they're looking at them in could this get graded to a uh, yep. nine or 10? Yeah, that's what the vast majority of people, and that's, I mean, we've talked about that before, but there's obvious, there's a real like delta there. And if you know what you're doing, you can make some good coin that way. But yep. you also got to find the right wants, person because yeah, everyone, if someone sold 10,000 cards, it's like, why did they randomly list this raw DK Metcalf auto? It's like, yeah, it's probably finished. And again, that and that, we get that a lot because we grade so much, but in the same breath, we have so much inventory coming in on a consistent basis. I can't look at every card. Facts. So something and is you gonna can't be grade everything. 100%. So something's going to be missed on a good end. Something's going to be missed on a bad end. It's about intent, right? We're not intentionally selling PSA 2s raw mm-hmm. on eBay, and we're not intentionally selling PSA 10s on eBay. It's just we can't get to everything. We ship it out, but yeah, but yeah, I mean, first raw card I ever purchased on eBay was a Divac Origi auto, and it gemmed at a 10. And I was like, wow, I'm good, life is good. I never need to buy a raw card and grade it again. But I just sent you 70 yesterday, so we're in the mix. So, I think the other interesting play in this, though, is does the price increase that PSA is throwing out, right? So, PSA 20 day goes up. Does that make a consumer look at SGC or BGS as an alternative to PSA? I think maybe, but it's the same thing that happened last time where PSA's prices went up and everyone was like, oh, or PSA's prices went up slash they were having big delays slash they were close because it was early COVID and everyone's like, oh, I'll just submit to the other graders. And then eventually everyone- A la SGC. Yeah, a la SGC, BGS as well, but- and then just like always, people end up going back to PSA. So I think maybe there'll be a little bit of a jump for a second and collectors will talk about it on, on social. But outside of that, I think it's still PSA number one. I, I think the big thing here, though, is the reason you're not going to SGC and BGS is because they're in the same predicament that PSA is in. They're behind. If SGC and BGS hired 40 more graders and had the capital to – uh, you know, hold them and get cards in and out real quick, you'd probably send them their way. They are in that, the same boat and everyone else is. I think that PSA has the clear lead, both in terms of the brand and just what the, what the market perceives as. I, and I don't think anyone at BGS or SGC, I could be wrong, could be very wrong, but they need to be playing such a brand game compared to those two that uh, compared to PSA to leapfrog them. I actually think the price increase only helps PSA to solidify it as the premium brand. Yeah. It's a premium product. It's why like, Louis Vuitton can order whatever they want for stuff. Yeah, exactly. And, and their shoes, they, they just take like 
a, a pair of Nikes or whatever, and they just slap a Louis V logo on them, make them X much more and a little bit better materials. But like, I don't I, I don't think it's a branding thing that BGS needs. If I told you BGS could get your 20-day order for the same matter. price as PSA in the same amount of time, I'm telling you, as a guy that's in the hobby every day, 24-7, people would send to BGS. People different. want their cards graded quick without paying $200. Yep, And that's the difference between a collector versus someone in the market who's just on eBay or wherever looking at cars. They see PSA. People want PSA. You can't tell me you would send a – if a P, if BGS 9.5 what's a BGS 9.5 Kyler Murray Prism sell for? 500 bucks? I'll look. The thought is, is if you could guarantee that to be done in two weeks – and you could take a $100 card to a $500 card in two weeks versus a maybe an eight or, a may, or maybe a nine or maybe a 10 in three months through PSA with their 20 days, you would send to BGS. A 9.5 did three seven, uh, 470. 470, so right around 500 bucks. So I don't that, think so, right? 100%. I'm telling you, I would. We yeah, send in 150 cards a week to PSA. Um, and I'm yeah. telling you, I would send all of them to BGS. New one comes in, new person comes in and has buys 60 raw John Morants. They, they, haven't, they haven't bought a card in the last 18 months. They're not even thinking about spending it anywhere but PSA. I'm telling you, if it if again, this is an if, right? Um, this is all hypothetical. If the turnaround time was guaranteed. Two weeks. Like SGC tried. You saw it. Not SGC. SGC's not in this conversation. SGC made one Instagram ad directly going (laughs) at Lou's favorite ad of all time. They're not PSA. Lou's favorite ad of all time. The the tuxedo. They understand. They understand that it's a brand game. And I actually think the tuxedo, I think the tuxedo is kind of a name, but I think that they understand that. Lou, you remember National? My first National? And I was like, yo, these are fire. Yeah. I mean, I was trying to tell you then too but i know what you're you saying. were trying to tell me but i was like new new kid on the block these are gas yet nowhere is there like yo these are gas from anyone or anything or have they done influencer deals have they tried to link up with someone that is on the sales side and fucking do their cards and get them to push it and say these are fire comparatively was, these are fire these look better on your desk the only thing not the only thing. The the biggest thing that has I've seen as a as like going at them is the brand thing. Like that's that like you were saying. The only shot people have, I think, is brand. Like right, we could talk about guaranteed turnaround times. Number one, that's not realistic. And number two, if it was, I wouldn't trust the grade anyway because then they're just trying to force them out the door. So I have no interest in a guaranteed turnaround time. What's you hired if you hired twenty more people, people. The whole thing needs to be. Y'all want to make this about art? Great. Here's a picture of the two of the things. On your desk. Here's a picture of them on your wall. Here's this card that in our slab that looks fresh as fuck compared to this card in this lab. Yeah, that, isn't that, fresh. that, that conversation you know is that? irrelevant because SGC is not a major player in the grading game. Nobody that wants cards of value is sending cards to SGC right now. That may change down the road. They're right now, the it's, it's, yeah, it's they're not sending them to Beckett either, bro. I'm yeah, talking about because the turnaround or- time is not guaranteed. Ask, they don't don't care. There's a reason the turnaround time is not guaranteed. All I'm telling you, ask anyone that is a full-time card entrepreneur, if you could guarantee a BGS lab in 10 business days versus three months with PSA, I promise you the results will be way higher than you think. Okay. And now show That's me the consumer that all wants I'm saying. to pay the same amount 
for a Beckett. As you're a not going to make as much. But and, also, but Tyler, and also, we were doing this with SGC. They were guaranteeing the turnaround times, and people were still like, nah. That's not a guarantee. If they're, if they're not, that's not a guarantee. I'm talking actual guarantees. Like, 10 days, done in 10 days. What I'm saying is, Ty, you take a $100 Kyler, you send it to Beckett, you get a 9.5, you sell it for 500. You made 400 in 10 business days, right? You realize the value. That card isn't even being entered in PSA's time in 10 days. What I'm saying is, is you could take 100, turn it into 500 in two weeks before the cards are even remotely close to being done. Take 500, reinvest, flip. You could flip the money, the $100, six times by the time the money came back from PSA. You would make infinite amounts of more money. It requires people wanting them. People still want BGS 95s. They sell for a fraction of the cost. You could make more money using it in the meantime. That's how compounding money works. That's how compounding money works. You flip the money six times in three months, you're going to make more money than flipping it once in one month. You flip the money over and over again, you're going to make more money than buying it and selling it for a thousand in three months. Just so we're clear, since July 7th, there's been 343 PSA 10 sales and 49 9.5 sales. Nobody's Brown. grading Beckett now because they can't guarantee it. Absolutely. PSA is yeah, 100% so in a world where they can guarantee a, <laughs> yeah, a, a grade. I'm just saying that's – Also, let's not forget the part where like if they're – if anyone forcing card grades out the door, I don't trust that grade to begin with. You don't force grades when you hire 40 more people. But who the fuck are those 40 people? What are you talking about? There's what? How many people live in America? How many millions of people live in America? There's got to be 40 people. All, right, on this is a ridiculous mm. conversation. All I'm saying is Tyler said the only way for those guys to be relevant is for branding. I'm telling you, as someone that is in a day-to-day, if you hired more people and could get out more cards. And, and, how, would you communi- and, and how would you communicate that? It's it's more people. our brand results. is that we're going to get it to you results way faster. Results. Send in cards. Get them back. That, that's how and and hiring someone like you to be this the person that is saying <laughs> I'm not I saying don't around. do any branding. I'm just saying it doesn't start with branding. It results with action. It doesn't do if you like Lou said SGC said we'll get them back in two weeks and they never did. But, not, but branding doesn't do any good if you're not going to you're not going to follow through. If they were guaranteeing it right now. Nobody would know. Well, sure. No, bro. They Absolutely. wouldn't. That's what I'm trying to tell you. You're you can't say Beckett has nobody card. grading cards. They do. That's just like, that's crazy. That's blasphemy. There's no way. Go into five of the biggest card discord groups right now and say the word BGS. I'm not worried about the guys that got in the hobby the last three months. I'm talking about people be. that are in Who's the creating the most cards. What are you talking about? Right? Where's all your business coming from? Absolutely. Not, not all of those people. <laughs> Absolutely. Bro, I'm talking about Mark Opportunity. And both SGC and Beckett could could be going here by being aggressive on where their brand is positioned right now because more cards are being graded right now than ever before. But and but Ty, they have the uh, opportunity to get all of these new consumers. You're saying they build are a brand. Yeah, great, great advertise, build a brand, get Logan Paul to say BGS is great. If your turnaround times are, are aren't anything, you're not going to grade to PSA. Lure. If Logan Paul said BGS is great, are you going to send? Are you going to send cards to BGS? No, no one in cards is great. PSA's turnaround times aren't anything either. Absolutely, that's what I'm saying. BGS, we need to guarantee them. That's the only way for this to be relevant. I'm just saying it's not only branding. This is why I love this podcast. 
That's this, my, re- this conversation just now is the reason I love this podcast. That's my only point on this. It's not only branding. Results matter in grading. People 100%. want cards quick. I have people 100%. that send in cards every day and ask five days later if their cards are entered in PSA. Of course they do because they want people want cards quick. Exactly. That's why BGS would matter if they could. They can't. It's it's not it's not going to be relevant. But it's like she had their she had their turnaround times, and then people got their card. Let's hang on. And then they got their cards back inside their window, and then they were getting resubmitted to other companies, and and they were getting crushed by the other companies. Hundred percent. I'm not. I didn't say anything about SUC. They were brought up. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about guaranteed turnaround times means they're getting cards out the door. Sure. But SGC doesn't matter. So their opinion – It does matter. We're talking about the, how the thing works. Let's just move on. We're talking in circles. I'm in on this. I'm just telling you there's no fucking shot. No chance. That what? I would send every card I had to BGS if you could right, guarantee – No one would around. fucking buy them, bro. No one they would buy would them. They would for a fraction of the price. I'm saying I could turn 500 into 500 the next – or 1,000 the next week and then 1,000 into 1,500. And by the time the Kyler got done at PSA, I would have made three grand versus one grand. That's compounding money. Here's the way we should do this conversation. Ready? You should, and it's not about the compounding money. What I'm talking about is the mark buying Beckett's. What you should do is send ten cards of e- ten of the same card to each of them. You get them back when you get. Oh, them I back. would never send them to Beckett right now. No shot. Let me finish. You they get take them three back months. It's not about that. It's not about that. It's about do people want to buy Beckett cards? So you s- you get ten of each of the same exact card. You have ten tens and no, 10 no, 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 no. You're. I'm not sending anything to Beckett at all if the turnaround times are the same at all. Zero shot. I'm, you're it, gonna you're gonna turn the money around faster. Apparently. No, 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 no. They're the same right now. If the turnaround times are the same, um, uh, there's no question in the world you would send a PSA. It's not even – What about even, the part where people don't want to buy 9.5s and 9s? 100%. And what I'm saying is it, it's 100% PSA and it's not even close. Not even close at all. That way. It, it will for a long time. For sure, 100%. All I'm saying is three months and two weeks are different. What I'm saying is, is I don't want the BGS grade. I want the money. I'm taking a hundred to turn yeah, it into four fifty, four fifty into nine hundred, nine hundred into thirteen hundred, and we flip it consistently. You'll make more money in the time period. Gotta nope. have, gotta have I don't want BGS. Absolutely not. I'm, I'm keeping PSA stuff for sure. All right, coming up after the break, we sit down to talk with Chris from House of Jordans about his venture into Card Ladder, the Michael Jordan market, and we will get his take on the PSA versus BGS quick flip debate. So stay tuned. All right, Card Talk, we are here. Uh, I got Tyler, Ryan, and myself, and we are joined this week by Chris McGill, uh, House of Jordans, you know. All over the hobby. So I want Chris to introduce himself a little bit here, and then we'll get into it a little bit. Thank you, Lou. Quite the pleasure to be on with you three young studs. Uh, Card Talk podcast is quickly becoming, if not already, the most, maybe most important podcast for sports cards right now. Definitely a go-to for me. Love what you guys are doing. I appreciate you having me on. Um, Yeah, there's not much to me. My name is Chris. You may know me from the House of Jordans podcast. You might know me from my Instagram, which is Chris underscore H-O-J. Thank you guys for having me on. Thank you Absolutely. for coming. And uh, I just got like weird feelings when you said that because we like to have a lot of fun. And I think as even just in this first three minutes, there's a lot of banter and the time we spend together is a lot of fun, <laughs> but also getting to know people. And then um, 
Yeah, I mean, we're just trying to approach it in a in an educational kind of way, and and I think a lot has happened, including like I, it's not lost on you know myself of the folks in here where you know Ryan and his time and knowledge and understanding comparatively to me, as well as yourself, and so I thank you guys for allowing us to even come in and have a voice and 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 an approach um, that is all welcoming. So, so thank you for that. And you, you guys aren't afraid to have takes either. So <clears throat> I want to know how the Ryan Tannehill MVP prediction <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is, is Let's get right into right it. Now. Are, you, are, you still, are you still high on that one? Um, I should have taken Aaron Rodgers, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what, to be, to be honest, like I, uh, I think he's a good quarterback. I think he's a seasoned quarterback in a new situation that's working really well for him. I think a lot happens in the regular season. I think their team is poised for great playoff football. I think he showed it last year. I think they're a real contender. And I think that they're set up to lose maybe two or three games. And so I think he gets into the conversation. And I I, I find it he's I I think there's an area where he's he's gonna be a top three contender. Do I think he'll get it on brand? No. But I wanted to stir up and, and have the take because I think he's a better than a lot of people give him a rap for. Because I'm pretty sure, correct me if I'm wrong, who was his coach when he was in Miami, Lou? Uh, oh, Gase. it was uh, Mr. Adam Gase. <laughs> Got it. Cool. Yeah. So, yeah, I just want to yeah, keep that in mind. It's kind of right. like seven years later, I wanted to be like, hey, remember that time I took Ryan Tannehill for MVP when <laughs> Sam goes to another franchise or hopefully we get rid of Gase? The or, New England Patriots. Yeah, and then, you know, it was kind of like that. That's how it all transpired in my head. I love it. All right, um, so I, a couple of things I want to get into because I would say, you know, a couple of years back when I was first getting back involved in the hobby, one of the first people I came across was your co-host for House of Jordans, Josh. Uh, so I love Josh. I think Josh is like unbelievably knowledgeable. And obviously through him, I was introduced to you as well on social. So um, can you talk about your podcast a little bit? You guys are definitely way more like uh like inner hobby things that i know for sure so that's why i'm always checking out on instagram live you might see me pop in and out like six times on a random day but uh so talk about your podcast a little bit and then i'll want to get into card ladder as well yeah i'd love to uh josh um i can say this about him he you know he's a genius uh the guy is absolutely brilliant um i've had the opportunity to work with him on the professional level on the sports card level and you know he's just a great friend of mine and uh, yeah, so Josh um, is also extremely important to the hobby historically. So he began a YouTube series called Cardboard Chronicles in the summer of 2016. And he interviewed a number of impressive guests uh, ever since then. And that created a library of hobby content that many of us uh, looked at as a refuge, especially when there was, you know, to put it metaphorically, a desert of hobby content back in the the dark ages of 2016 mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and some of the great guests that he's had uh, range from Nat Turner um, to uh, our very own here, Ryan card collector too. Uh, so you, you really get a lot of different perspectives when you listen to his show. Um, and, and what's one of the many impressive things about him is that on cardboard chronicles, he just pretty much asks questions and then he sits back and lets the guest say what they have to say. Um, and among the long-winded of us, that's an impressive task uh, to, for somebody to do. So I, I love that. And, and he's given back to the hobby in a number of different ways. Uh, he and I host a Friday night Instagram Live uh, that we call The Crossover. 
um, that, you know, we just field questions from, from collectors and hobbyists and, uh, you know, we just talk hobby and, and it's amazing. It's a lot of fun. So, yeah, I mean, Josh, uh, absolute treasure. Where and, can we, uh, where can people tap into Josh? On so Josh is on Instagram cardboard underscore chronicles. Make sure you put the underscore because if you don't, you're gonna get to a picture of a dog. <laughs> and then uh, on YouTube, just search cardboard chronicles, and you'll you'll get to his YouTube channel. And you know from there, I, I think those are probably the best two ways to to get a hold of him. Love sure. it. Um, question: Where uh, does that the House of Jordans moniker come from? Can you touch on that a little bit? I think with a lot of the new folks this influx last 18 months you know a lot of individuals are coming from a house of jordan's world where they're talking about the jordans on their feet and now as people start thinking about jordans and jordan inserts and i'm 36 hours later still incredibly devastated that i lost the uh auction for the inner lake eight uh jordan and it's killing me inside deeply. It's the yeah, third day in a row he's talked about this, by the way. He's can, really upset about yeah, it. I'm, I'm devastated. Can you, uh, <laughs> can you just talk a little bit about House of Jordans and, and where that comes from and what that means to you? Yeah, sure. So uh, we started House of Jordans in late 2018 as a podcast um, that was just basically, you know, it's my fiance, Christina, uh, my cousin, Brian, and myself. Uh, we were the original three. And we just sat around a table and talked about Michael Jordan cards. And, um, you know, there was at least a few hundred people who wanted to listen to that at the time. So we just did it. And our first podcasts were absolutely terrible. Um, and I know this because when I look at the like analytics on the podcast, um, people will like find us later on and they'll go back and they say, I'm going to start listening from episode one. It's going to be great. Uh, but they all drop off after episode one, which means they didn't hear anything worth continuing in those first few episodes. But we got better. And we expanded our scope. We, we went beyond Michael Jordan cards eventually and stuff like that. But that was the origin of it. And the name um, was was basically just, you know, uh, I have to plead ignorance to the sneaker world. I just don't know much about it. Um, but it was very disappointing when I w- when we came up with the name House of Jordans. And then when we got a little more serious about it, we were like, oh, well, what happens if you Google us? What happens if you YouTube search us? What happens if we try to get an Instagram handle? And you're either going to be directed to a ton of sneaker content or Michael Jordan's mansion. Yeah. Um, but you're not going to get to our podcast very easily. So if people are trying to search it out, it helps to put the house of Jordans in quotation marks that can use the Boolean search method. It can help you get right. There. So Chris, uh, Lou mentioned it a minute ago, but I wanted to kind of uh, discuss card ladder because that's something you and I believe Josh and uh, have been working on for a little while now. And it went live recently and, it's I, I see it all over Instagram now. So for those that don't know anything about it, can you give us a, a little bit of a history of that? Yeah, I'd love to, man. Um, Car Letter is basically like a big research project um, that, you know, we were fortunate to to be able to share with people. And that's thanks to the brilliance of Josh as a coder and as a web application developer. Um, basically, the tagline is we try to tell the story of the hobby with data. Um, we try to, you know, present interesting data relying on um, eBay, uh, uh, overwhelmingly relying on eBay data to tell that story. eBay, uh, as a quick aside, is such an important part of sports cards and the history of sports cards because as a brand and as a platform, it enables people who are both extremely well-versed in the hobby and people who have never bought a sports card in their life. It's an intersection and a meeting place for all those different types of people to feel comfortable to make a transaction. 
And so eBay also provides this three month window of data that's that's very helpful when we're trying to figure out what the price of something is or when we're trying to figure out what we should pay for it. Or maybe you're just trying to figure out what your card might be worth using comps on eBay is a really important and big part of that. Uh, so what what we wanted to do is sort of take this very rich data set, but just package it and present it in a way that collectors might find interesting and useful. And and also to, you know, kind of make the data a little bit cleaner. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, eBay doesn't have nobody could have the resources to vet every single data point for every single sports card. I mean, I, I believe sports cards is one of the if not the biggest categories on eBay mm-hmm. and item sells like every second. Right. So but what we do is we've narrowed the scope um, right now. We track about thirty eight hundred cards. And if it's not me, it's it's one of the researchers on our team literally will vet every sale of every one of those thirty eight hundred cards that sells every day. Somebody has to push approve or deny on every one of those sales. And so what that ends up doing and we publish a list every day uh, of, of excluded sales, what that ends up doing is we clean the data, we throw out obvious outliers and bad uh, data. And so like an example, that would be a shilled auction or an example that would be a bin that just doesn't make sense at all relative to the market. And so some of the quick, you know, methods that we use to sort of weed stuff out is we will like go and we'll look at, okay, this card, uh, it says that, you know, a best offer of $500 was accepted, but I can click the eBay link that takes me to a tailored search of the card. I see there's 10 other copies for $200 on eBay. So there's no way that we can, in good faith, permit um, a $500 sale of this card into the database when there's 10 other copies on eBay in the same grade of the same card from the same grading company that are available for $200. That's probably not a good sale. So like, that's one of the things we do is we try to clean the data. We end up throwing out not very many data points. The overwhelming amount of data that comes in is it appears reliable based on our estimation. But but, you know, we try to help perform that metric. Um, and, and so, you know, I, that that's kind of like one of the one of the things that we do is, is just try to, you know, make sports card uh, data presentable mm-hmm. digestible and like and fun yeah right like if you remember beckett magazine I, I might be date i'm dating myself for sure but like in the 90s guys for the old timers like me beckett magazines it the the thrill the happiness you felt when you walked to your mailbox and you picked up that beckett magazine that was just fun man you go look at the up arrows you got to read a couple of articles mm-hmm. you know all that stuff was just absolutely thrilling and and made the hobby so fun and like if we could even yeah. bring back a, an, an, an inkling of that fun, that's what we wanted. And I think it makes it approachable. I think it really does. I think also the time that I've spent at, you know, at National or you, you meet someone on Instagram and it's DM and, and like the whole kind of – we talk a lot on here about the relationship between a buyer and seller and kind of the responsibilities that you have as a seller or even a member of the hobby. And I think what it does is it allows things to be approachable and allows a, a common place of understanding of where things currently sit. Um, like when you look – I've – out of – things take habit for me. So like the first habit's like you go to eBay, you check sales. And then once I got into the card ladder, it's like one – information at your fingertips and then two almost like you know you'd screenshot the last sale on ebay and send it to someone comp prices off ebay 13 percent. it allows for common ground to be had very simply between a buyer and seller as well to understand what what has happened of late and i and i appreciate that i think it it, it serves a real 
a real purpose for the community aspect of the hobby as well. And Tyler, I think it also adds transparency, right? Yeah. Like he said that they removed the outliers. So I know uh, one of my favorite accounts, the Lameem James account on Instagram posted the other day about the LeBron orange ice PSA 10 that was being manipulated on eBay. I know Darren Ravel tweeted about it as well, but like there were multiple auctions over like 14 or $1,500 on eBay but there were buy it now is under 900. If you're new to the game, right, and you don't know that this kind of stuff occurs, not saying you don't, but um, like there's if, a lot of people don't who don't know that stuff happens, though. Fair. So you don't see that. Um, what's going to happen is, is you're going to use those comps and be like, hey, these $900 are a steal. And then again, market manipulation, you're going to, it's going to raise the price of those. So I think that's the nice part about Card Ladder is, is they recognize those things. They have researchers, they have got people in place to remove those. So if you're new and you're trying to get an idea of what something sells for, you're going to remove the obvious things like that without having to do the work, right? Like you as the consumer doesn't, ha- you don't have to do that. They do it for you. So I think the transparency aspect of it is, is a bonus. Yeah, for sure. And I think one of the other <clears throat> big things you, you uh, Chris, I know you do it a lot. I, I've obviously I've started to see from a lot of people from car letter data a lot is like the candles, like literally, I think the intersection of when you're getting all these newer people who don't know, who don't want to, or don't know how to read eBay because it's too confusing and weird. And then there's also the other side of the coin, which I'm sure the three of us have had conversations with people who are not in the hobby at all, but are like finance people are looking at candles and they're looking at like oh wait so this the Giannis Chris which one did you post I want to say it was like two weeks ago I think it was Giannis where I had the big run-up for like three years in a row big run-up reset big run-up yeah it was a big run-up and then a correction big run-up correction it's like guys just because they're having a short-term 15-20% loss it's the world isn't falling down in front of you you have to take a take advantage of the history that you have here and that's what Carlyle does an amazing job of is like here's three years of data like these are trends. You have to understand the trends to make informed decisions. Lou, let me let me comment on that, man. When when you published a, a piece not long ago with 137 and uh, you were looking at historical data and you were taking a longer term approach, you were looking at years and, and you were saying, look, we have to look. We, we don't you know, it's great. We have a three month window with eBay, but we have years and years of data, especially on cards that have been around for 20 years. And, and the research that you guys do the care, the meticulous nature with which you approach the subject is like really appreciated. And it, and it also like stands out um, among a period right now, not to be too critical of my fellow hobbyists, but we can be very myopic. Mm-hmm. It feels lately. Mm-hmm. Um, but to, so to see some of the research that you guys do there, it's a, it's inspiring and, I, and it makes me feel great to see you guys doing that. Yeah. Shout out to you Tyler. Al- for you that also for sure. said, yeah, dude, that, that was a brilliant, Several brilliant pieces. And Jason, who's in the background, uh, does a lot of producing for us. I just want yeah. to give him a hat tip. He he's, does a lot of work on that. And so, Lou, you said something else too. Um, you know, w- there there are different people from different walks of life, including the financial sector, who want to comprehend what's going on with sports cards. And and I'll tell you, one of the moments that I knew we needed, I wanted to be a part of something like Card Ladder was um, I was at a party. Uh, I just graduated from law school and I was at a, it was after finals, everybody's letting off steam. And, uh, one of my classmates, her husband was there and I was just, you know, I may have had a few drinks and I was just going on about sports cards Mm -hmm. and people are rolling their eyes. They're walking away from the circle. And, but, but this guy was really interested and he was like, yo, this sounds really cool. Can you tell me more about this? And so I was like, this was right after the Michael Jordan PMG green auction had happened. 
And I was like, yeah, man, dude, this car just sold for $350,000. And then I'm like, crap, how do I tell this story to mm-hmm. him in a way that makes sense? So like I start, I pull up the Chicago Tribune article and I'm like, yeah, but I can't just like read an article this guy. So I'm like, okay, let me go to my eBay app and let me like show him this sale. And like, I start scrolling through eBay sold and completed. And I'm typing in this complicated search terms that I can get right to it. And by the time I get the data to show him, he's just over. He's over yeah. Yeah. But, but uh, so like what, what we want to do with card letter was like make card profiles, mm-hmm. like a Wikipedia page for each It's like card. editorial for every single card. 100%. So it's like when, when somebody wants to, you know, if I want to look up the Tesla stock, I'll go to Google. I type in Tesla. First thing I see is like a graph. I see some background information about Tesla. I get a Wikipedia link. I want to just be that way for cards. I wanted you to be able to go to card ladder, type in 2003 Topps Chrome LeBron base PSA 10. You're going to see a nice crisp picture of the card. You're going to be able to see it's all time sales history going back to all the way to 2004. Uh, you know, I just wanted to have all that information right there and presentable so you could screenshot it and send it to your friend who might not know a lot about the hobby. And then if you is maybe a more seasoned collector, you want to look and sort of dig into this data. We give you two ways to plot sales. So you can plot them on a linear axis or on a logarithmic scale. And logarithmic scale is just plotting things based on rate of change rather than absolute dollar change. That can be very helpful. Like when you're analyzing the 2013 Giannis prison-based PSA 10, all of a sudden you start to see patterns emerge that the absolute dollar sales obscure. And then like we, we give you a link to like cardboard connection. You know, if Love podcasts it. have talked about a card, like we, we, so that, that was the dream, right? And it's lofty, it's ambitious, it's nerdy. But I wanted to be able to like pull up on my phone and just like next time I, I'm at that party and I want to tell somebody about cards, I can show them a graph. I can show them a picture of the card all on mm-hmm. one simple page. Yeah. And it's like when you're talking to your friend, because this is what happens. Like you, all three, I'm sure all of us talk to our friends and they're like, what's going on with cards? And like I always have one example in my head of like something that happened recently. I'm like, oh, like three months, two months ago, it was like, oh, bull bull was irrelevant. And then the bubble happened and the shoot up, the run up happens. And then it's like the other example is like Tyler Hero, the bubble happens. There's a steady incline and like it makes more sense. But being able to tell the anecdotal story of how he's playing on the floor aligned with how his car prices have risen in at the same pace is much more interesting and provide a fuller picture. And it's more educational. I want to, uh, Switch gears here for a second. Mercedes Benz actually just announced they're going away from uh, manual uh, drive, which I'm pretty upset about. But um, for someone that's been in it for as long as as you have, um, we've talked a little bit about this conversation, and it's more of a down and detailed thing. But I want to extrapolate it across like the years of knowledge that you have. Uh, mosaic as an insert to prism sets. And then it's spun out as a new product. And then it's the first football product that gets released. And how over time, it can gradually become the product in a world where people are going to be like, well, Prism's the only thing that matters. Maybe can we go back a little bit before to when Prism was first released? And I think it kind of coincides. We have this convo, can Mosaic in four years from now be seen as the prism and how does that work and then to the everyone feels like we're sitting on an edge waiting for cards to like poof and like not exist anymore like and i feel like that's for people that have been around kind of maybe like an always thing and it's just heightened right now but there's definitely i feel some angst from people that are like i feel like i'm gonna wake up and everything's going to be like worth 10% and no one's going to care anymore. Can you talk a little bit about like the, 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 how long you've been in it 
and what that means to you. And then, yeah, just the prism to mosaic. And if you've seen anything, you know, in the past, trying to draw some parallels in, in that whole thing. Those are two big questions. Yeah. Let me do the let me do the slightly uh, easier one, maybe, which is mosaic. Yeah. Um, and I, I think uh, so. So here's how I'll begin that answer. Um, when you have an exceptional draft class. Uh, in that situation, a number of products that were not super relevant to the market can become extremely important and rival and even overtake the prestige brand as people try to get more creative about the cards they want to acquire. And so like the example I'll give is 2018-19 product. Um, you know, during its release, uh, Prism was the, the, the chase of all chases. I remember getting sucked into chasing 2019 prism trying to hit that luca that trey silver and just going from walmart to walmart this was when you could still buy cards uh basketball cards at walmart Mm -hmm. i remember going to hobby shops and they had the boxes for 250 bucks uh of 2019 prism hobby and just i mean christina and i probably went through 30 boxes hobby boxes just it it was such a chase but 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 when the 2019 season started and Doncic was Western Conference Player of the Month. He averaged a 30-point triple-double. He, the Mavericks were third in the West. Like, at that point in time, uh, the game changed. And all of a sudden, like, Select, for example, was what everybody was moving over to Select and trying to get Select. And if you look now, um, so and people start researching their products that they never cared about before. So people started performing research into Select and discovering that the silvers of courtside were extremely short-printed. Now that card, the select courtside silver Luca is, you know, I think the last sale was $18,000 for a PSA 10. You know, that's 3X the Prism Silver base PSA 10. Now, would people care so much about select if you didn't have this tremendous rookie class and like the demand for the Prism wasn't like over the top? Probably not. But when you have a draft class that's so powerful that it's driving people to like look into other products, start learning about other products, like then you can see all sorts of stuff like that happen. I think Mosaic was a beneficiary of the terrific 2018-19 NBA draft class as well. I think that was a big reason why they even broke it off into a standalone product was because they saw it doing so well. Um, well, it, it was a standalone 2018-19, but they expanded it for mm-hmm. 2019-20. They just they made it like Prism Part 2, basically, with the Optichrome finish and everything. Whereas like the 2018-19, like all the cards were, all the base cards had the Mosaic pattern finish and stuff. It was a much simpler configuration. So like, I think like if you see a really strong draft class, it can make a lot more products relevant than otherwise were relevant. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, so it, it, it will prism like, look, I have a, an open, an open, an unopened box of prism mosaic football sitting right over there right now. Um, a hobby box. Mm-hmm. Like I just, you know, I, I, I had to be a part of that experience. Yeah. Like I love the fact that they came out with mosaic first. That's such a curveball. And 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 they know that people love mosaic and they know that the optichrome finish is just a winning recipe for for cards. So like but but I think you need a really strong draft class to make the secondary and tertiary brands become relevant. Um, Otherwise, I think Prism will continue its reign. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then you asked the other question, which is a much more difficult one. One of bigger implications is what why should we think the sports cards will continue to be strong as a market? Why sh- what, what could happen to this market going forward? And honestly, I don't think anybody knows. 
Um, but I'll, but I'll, what I can tell you is why I like sports cards and maybe it's relatable to other people I like that. Um, s- sports cards make my life better every day. It makes my life better to go on eBay and check my safe searches and see what cards are for sale. See what cards I'll never be able to afford that are listed for ridiculous bins on eBay, but I just like to gawk at them. Uh, I like to sell cards on eBay. I like to see the offers roll in overnight and think to myself, do I want to sell this or not? Mm-hmm. That's fun. Mm-hmm. I love going to uh, to shops. Yep. Uh, last fall, Christina and I did what we call like our card store tour. We went to 17 different shops in the Pacific Northwest and Seattle and Portland areas just to do it, just to see. And, you know, anytime I go to a shop, I buy something, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it's just like a, a card out of the display. Maybe it's a mosaic football <laughs> hobby box, but we always buy something. And anytime we go on the road, we just make it a point to just stop at any shop in the city that we're in. And I just love talking to the people. I love seeing the cards there. Um, and then, but, but the thing that makes the hobby most addicting to me beyond the cards even is a community, yeah. um, all the, all the friends that you make and the group chats that you get into and the, and the friendly competitions that form when we're all hunting the same card or we're all trying to, you know, uh, share our new pickup or whatever the case, we're all making content or whatever the case may be. I'll hop on one of Ryan's live streams mm-hmm. and just watch, dude, I'll just chill and just watch him like rip up a, a blaster or something or whatever and take questions from people. So like the, there's these are the things that make me love the hobby. These are some of the fundamentals to it. I can't imagine myself going away from those things uh, because like literally they they improve measurably the quality of my life. I love it. Uh, as long as that's the case for people, uh, you know, I'm very bullish on this as an industry, as an outlet for entertainment. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just at the end of the day, a refuge and, a, and a, an escapism and, a, and just a way to that makes life a little bit better every day. I love it. And now I know I we've been stuck on my questions. I want to get to these guys, but you said something there that just really resonated with me. And as I think I'm like, Oh, he enjoys the eBay he enjoys checking that stuff out. And now you have card ladder, which I see improving every single day. And like is a real business and real operations. And some of you're involved in, have you learned a lot? Like in your years of, of card stuff now applying that, can you talk about that for a second? Because I think Right now, this white hot moment, everyone comes in, people had no, no idea what was going on. They're buying something, but they're selling it for more or they're buying something and all of a sudden the floor drops out and now they're holding it. What do you do? Those learnings, I believe, are going to be like a kickstart as this whole new world happens of internet business and you don't got to be in offices and all that. Can you just talk a little bit about the things you've learned and how you apply them to Card Ladder and what that's meant? Yeah, it's been a two-way street. Um, I brought experience to the table but now you know looking at the sales for 3800 cards and counting every day um i i card ladders taught me a lot more than i've been able to teach it if that makes sense mm-hmm. just seeing what happened so like i was very fortunate um and lucky to start off as a michael jordan collector in 2016 um that wasn't any stroke of genius it was just i'm from chicago i think he's a great he is the best in my mm, opinion yep. so like I'm going to collect him. Right. That was. And then uh, along the way, like I, I happened to get in right at the same time that like hundreds, maybe thousands of other people just like me in the same age bracket from the same era, all now having a little bit extra money every month, started coming, coming into the hobby all at the same time. And so like that increased the market and that market continues to increase. So like I, I was very lucky to come in to a, a growing market and a friendly market. And then also I was very lucky because like to understand Michael Jordan cards, it gets very complex. And 
there's lots of sets and there's lots of nuances to collecting those cards that make you realize how important it is to know about the hobby and know the ins and outs of the hobby. So like that was my foray, my introduction into sports cards. And then I expanded after like two or three years of Jordan. Then like 2018, 19 draft class came around and like I got totally hooked into that and started collecting Luca. And then I got lucky for a second time uh, because it, like, once again, it was just, it was really the, the chase of getting prism silvers that, that yeah. brought Christine and I into Luca. And then we started following him and then we started collecting him and then he went nuts. Uh, and so then that taught me so much about modern product. Um, but, but so I basically had two players I was collecting and I collected them year round. So like when football season started, I love football, but I didn't even look at football cards. I, I'm just looking for Luca deals and Jordan deals. And so collecting year round is, I, it turns out, as I now see, is very beneficial because y- you will get the, the off-season deals and, you, and you'll be hunting and seeking out these yep. players when, you know, many other people, they're out of sight and they're out of mind and they yep. forget about them. So like being an obsessive hobbyist and like really knowing your sets and your stuff, having those 100 plus saved eBay searches and just being on it, like, uh, like McCaffrey, like McCaffrey's a new, collect, new player that I just added to my PC. And like, dude, people are dumping his stuff right now because he's out of sight and out of mind for just a couple of weeks. So like, I I just scooped up his 2019 Prism Gold Vinyl out of five for a hundred bucks on eBay. You know, just like people just just throwing cards up because you know because he, this player's out of sight and out of mind for a little while. So so that so the, so now that I'm like looking at cards from so many different sports, from soccer, from tennis, from basketball, baseball, football, Pokemon. Pokemon. Yep, like I'm, yep. I'm, I'm I'm looking at all this stuff, man. <laughs> and I'm and I'm understanding like right away that like, dude, if I don't like now guard against it, you know, I'm going to I get sucked into that, like whatever's hot, whatever is mm-hmm. good in the media, whatever's big right now. That's what we're following. That's what we want to talk about. Those are the cards that people are buying and transacting uh, with a lot of regularity. Um, but but that's not really where the deals seem to be had. Like if, if you're just kind of like chasing the ball all the time. You know, maybe you will get lucky. Like maybe, you know, Josh Allen, you, you, you know, Josh Allen is the hot topic. One of the hot topics right now, his cars keep setting record highs. Maybe you buy one right now. And then, you know, like you guys prognosticated, perhaps, you know, oh, the bills do something unthinkable. But but if they don't, you know, then then you will you will be perhaps left holding the bag. So, yep. And, love and it. Chris, we talk about that a lot. Like if you have the patience in this, if you're not just doing this to just to buy something and flip it in two weeks, like COVID, everything went up in COVID, right? If you have the patience to see that this is cyclical, right? For those that have been in the hobby a while, this this isn't a new trend that when Luca's not putting up triple doubles, his stuff's not going up, right? Like relevancy matters in cards very much. Mahomes throwing five touchdowns in a game helps his stuff. Luca at home watching Mahomes throw the touchdowns doesn't help Luca's stuff, right? Like right. when these... As soon as the Pelicans, we talk about this a lot, as soon as the Pelicans post a picture of Zion looking like the Hulk three weeks before the season starts, Zion stuff will go up. This this is not anything new. And again, you, you said it. Just If you can afford to have the patience to sit on this stuff now, Lucas stuff down 40% in a month. Like If you can afford to sit on that stuff for a while, there's definitely major opportunities and guys that are not playing or are hurt or something like that. If they ever pan out or they continue to uh, improve. Yeah. Uh, I think we want to wrap up for sure, but just a couple more things. Um, Chris, I think, you know, as we've been talking about, you've been in this hobby for a really long time and 
I would I would guess that a large percentage of our audience is newer people who are who are not as well versed in the world. So I think if there's you know obviously we've given a lot of advice here in this time, but if there was one or two things on the top of your mind that you think would bring the most value to someone who's newer and may not have as much experience in the car world, uh, what would it be? Um, and then separately from that, like what's one thing you see happening in front of you right now on a day to day basis in, in the hobby that you would uh, adjust. Ooh. Um, okay. So the advice uh, to a new hobbyist is um, history matters. And f- uh, first of all, the reason why this hobby got to where it is in my estimation is because of certain fundamentals that have remained true over the long haul. Uh, one of them is that I think sometimes we forget uh, recently is that the hobby is, should always be fun. You, this, this is escapism. This is a release. You should be enjoying yourself. You should be having fun. And there are tons of ways to have fun in the hobby. Um, so, and, and when you're having fun, it all makes sense and you get it. Um, and, and you just sort of begin to internalize the things that make this hobby great. Uh, so find out what it is that you like about the hobby and make sure that at the end of the day, no matter what else is going on, you're having fun and that you're enjoying yourself. Uh, so like that, that's a piece of advice I would give to a young hobbyist. And then though the history matters because when you figure out what it is that makes this hobby fun and makes us all love it, you start to identify the fundamentals that make certain markets strong. So like what makes the Michael Jordan market strong? I think the key thing there is that there's a, a, a number of people, I don't know how many, but there's quite a few people like me who came back to the hobby who are in an age and an income bracket where they can, their income is continuing to increase year over year. They have nostalgic ties to the Bulls. They have nostalgic ties to 90 sports cards, which was a great era of sports cards. And all these factors sort of combine to create the foundation of a strong market that has lots of people who are looking to get into it and, and who love cards and who just, you know, so like if I was looking to get into a player as a long-term player collector, one of the first things I do is I'd say, does this player have any Facebook fan groups that are dedicated to cards? Cause Kobe has them. LeBron has them. Jordan has them. Luca has them. I know those four guys have Facebook groups that have thousands and thousands of collectors who get together, who talk about these players, who change their cards, who just love following and, and collecting these guys. So like if, if you want to like try and predict what's going to happen with the market, look at the fundamentals of that player's market. Who, who are the collectors who are holding up that market and who are going to come in and buy this player's cards and who are going to cherish them? And then how long are they going to keep those cards for? Um, you know, the, the type of cards I want to collect there's certain things that they have. Number one, you can't go on eBay and buy it any day, any hour, any minute. Um, and there's nothing against those cards. Those are great cards. Those are great entry cards. But the cards I want are the ones that I have to work to get and that are difficult to find. They're difficult to track down. And I have to get lucky to find them. Uh, I, those cards appeal to me. And, and as collectors sort of advance and mature, I think they find that like there's th- there's a reason why those cards are are sought after. And then... Uh, you know, the other thing is, is a collector is just, I, I want to collect and be involved in a player's market that I love to either watch and root for that player or that I have a connection to and I, that, you know, that I can relate to and, and connect back to. So, you know, it, it for everybody, it's going to be different. People are going to enjoy the hobby in different ways. But for me, those are some of the things that make this hobby enjoyable. Um, 
it, and, and, and I and keep it fun. And then, okay, so one thing I would adjust about the hobby. Um, you know, I, I wish that we did. I, the hobby has become so competitive. Yeah. <laughs> and if you go on social media, uh, you know, you're, if Guy X has a big game, um, you know, we, we overreact. And we start posting our piles of cards of this player and we're flexing and we're all like, you know, when, when, when we get really obnoxious, we like, oh, I'm such a genius because I have all of these. Michael Porter nothing Jr. Against- yeah, Michael Porter Jr. or Tyler Hero or something like, oh, look at me. I'm just yeah. I'm I'm the shit, yeah. you know, and, and like, OK, that's great. But, you know, that does two things, right? That makes other people feel terrible. So like other guys who are collecting somebody who's not real hot right now, they get bitter. And, you know, they're like, screw this dude, man. And so it gets super competitive. I wish we didn't have, I wish it didn't get so competitive that we get, that we go against each other and like players, you know, but and I collect Jordan, this guy collects Kobe, this guy collects LeBron. And all of a sudden we're like at odds with each other because, you know, the legacy matters and like, who's the, the goat and stuff. Like, I just wish we didn't have to do that, mm-hmm. that we could all just kind of celebrate each player for what they are. And like, if one guy's price goes up, that's not an insult to all the other guys whose prices maybe aren't going up. Uh, but you know what though? That's such a fantasy that I feel foolish for even saying it because that will never happen. It's always going to be part of this hobby that we just, we're super competitive. We are yeah. very defensive over the guys we collect. And that's sports. Uh, and that's sports. sports, right? That's sports. That's sports. Yeah, exactly. Um, right. I got one thing. If you want to hit him with the last question, but, we gonna see uh we gonna see footy cards. We gonna see soccer cards on card ladder anytime soon. Yeah, we got we got some. So we got the the Mbappe. Yep. You know you gotta have this the World Cup prism silver yep. and the base. Yep. And we got the Mega Cracks Messi, mm-hmm. <laughs> Ronaldo. Yep. Um, you know like the real obvious ones, right? Like we got those. Yep. I, um, I think like just to carve out. It's I'm so fired up. You know. It was Pulisic is like the American hero, but I mean, we're really getting there with players showing up, you know, on all these clubs. Gio Reyna, you know, um, Dest, like the American guys I'm pumped about. That's amazing. So look, man, any, any, look, especially for you guys, if you you say, dude, Chris, you don't have Pulisic in card ladder what is wrong with you <laughs> dude just dm me or something man. man i'll make sure we get those we get those cards i'm gonna add pulisic today oh yeah because, hell yeah just because love um, it yeah now love chris it. uh you didn't obviously hear our uh recording yesterday but uh for those listening they will have uh heard it at this point if if they've listened where lou and i had a super uh intense debate and it was awesome but i want to get your perspective from it from someone that's been in the hobby a while i won't give lou or my take on this but oh boy they don't um, like it already. it was great it was, so it's around grading right so the okay. conversation was around grading with the intent to flip not to hold anything the intention is to flip and the conversation was if beckett could guarantee two weeks right you sent in a card and, and it was done in two weeks and PSA was still around two and a half to three months for a 20 day. Would you send your cards to Beckett guaranteed they would be done in 10 business days with the intention to flip or would you send them to PSA and and wait the two and a half to three months? Okay. There's a lot of layers to this one because one, it's a made up world where everyone's perfect and does yeah, their things on 100%. time. 
hundred percent. Yeah. Well, do you remember what happened with SGC uh-huh. when COVID hit? That's what we talked and, about. And they were the only ones. And like all of a sudden there was like this hype and momentum for them because turnaround times and yep. everything. And oh, like, yeah. so there, there became a, a, a feeling around SGC that like, Oh, this is going to be a new go-to, you know, they have a lot of years in the industry the tuxedo slab, etc. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. So like all of a sudden those cards started like like I they started matching and exceeding BGS nine fives for a while there, the SGC ten gems. Um but then SGC, you know, it got flooded and like all of a sudden their turnaround times looked like everybody else's and we went back to the old equilibrium or the old hierarchy. Okay, so I think about that because I do think that like if a grading company was able to give guaranteed turnaround times uh there would be a market reaction to that because like we literally saw it happen like it 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 has played out once before um so uh, okay if bgs is given two weeks guaranteed but then you have to think why why is uh psa more flippable than bgs um is it as simple as the number 10 that you just the, the number 10 on the slab versus nine five like it's just really that simple people want tens over nine fives even though like technically they're the same grade is it the the nuance of the subgrades that that you know maybe makes the market like look now that I have the responsibility of tracking BGS nine five sales the variance that you see from like one to another makes it really hard to comp BGS nine fives as a general matter you know like a LeBron uh, Chrome rookie BGS nine five with super premium subs will sell for several thousand dollars more than a min sub nine five LeBron that just makes it hard to transact on a commodity level, a card that can fluctuate so much based on a subgrade. So like that will still be in play as a, as a factor that's mitigating against BGS. And then the other thing too, is like uh, when, when PSA um, has these delays in turnaround time, it's not always the worst thing. And I know like people hate to hear that, but like, mm-hmm. man, I, uh, I was at a card show in the fall before last NFL season. And I picked up these like random Mahomes, like the Mahomes rookie introductions prism silver for like 25 bucks. I picked up a raw one. I sent it to PSA. It didn't come back until the NFL season had concluded. Okay, well, what happened in that interim when I was waiting for this card to come out? Mahomes won a Super Bowl MVP and had a terrific comeback from a very scary leg injury. And a card that was a $25 raw pickup came back as a PSA 10 and I sold it for like 400 or 500 bucks. And now it's worth even more. So like, there's this weird upside that when you grade with PSA, it forces you to be patient. Right. And like, you don't, you can't instant flip. Um, you have to wait and you have to get your cards back. Uh, so, you know, and Chris, just to give you some perspective. Yeah. The conversation Lou and I had was around a Kyler prism rookie. Being a hundred dollars raw, four hundred as a nine five, or a thousand as a ten. Oof. See, Kyler's makes it more interesting too because, like you guys talked about last week. I mean, uh, well, at that point in time, Kyler was was one of a handful of quarterbacks who were doing well. Dude, Kyler's market has taken a hit uh, just because of two mediocre games. Yeah, so he's like, buying Josh Allen card instead for some reason. <laughs> oh, trust me, I know Kyler's taking a hit. I got a return request or a cancellation request this morning that says I accidentally bid on this card that went for $653. Yeah. In FYI, if there was another thing I could change about the hobby, it'd be better return policies. Um, but, but yeah, so dude, if you're with the intention to flip, 
and you and you get it back in two weeks, but you're looking at a four hundred to a thousand dollar differential. I don't know, man. That's a tough question, man. You put me on the spot. I just spent fifteen minutes or whatever filibustering. <laughs> I don't have an answer. <laughs> again, Lou and I, Lou and I went back and forth on this yesterday when we recorded it. Again, I, I, I told Lou yesterday. This is obviously a perfect world. It's not going to happen. PSA still r- runs the, the the grading market by a mile. I just think my my perspective on this was if I could flip it four times in the amount it would take me to get a PSA 10 back, I would make more money in the four months. I'm not saying to keep it, but 100%. Again, this this is a uh, an irrelevant conversation because it's not happening and PSA continues to reign supreme in this. Um, but yeah, I'm just curious from someone that's been in a while what, what your thoughts are. Yeah, you make a good point. And l- let me riff on grading companies very briefly. Uh, <laughs> I'm waiting for the grading companies to bet on us as an industry. Uh, because right now they are attached to the old way of doing it, which is like, look, you know, as a business model, uh, we are thrilled to have this super abundance of demand for our service. And we're just going to do it as efficiently as as fastly as we can. But are we going to double or triple our operation and make a bet on this industry that it's going to be sustainable and it's going to be this size going forward? Because it, it, it seems very logical to say, hey, look. If I can become a two-week guaranteed turnaround time grading company and I already have the prestige in the marketplace, there's a lot that's going to recommend my service. And like I said, just look at the SGC case study. When it when it seemed apparent that this these guys were going to be able to get your orders back quickly, they they got flooded with demand and the market on eBay went up mm-hmm. for those cards yep. just based on that hype. So like there's plenty of evidence out there to suggest that if a grading company can be efficient and meet the demand for grading, that they will thrive. So I'm waiting for one of these grading companies to say, we are going to bet on the future of this hobby. We're going to move away from our old business model. We're going to move out of our comfort zone. Yeah, we're eating and we're doing great right now, but we could be doing even better. Let's make a bet on this industry and on this hobby. And when one of them does that and they're able to meet turnaround times, they are going to clean up and we might move away from a three grading company industry to a one grading company industry. So I would love to see somebody bet on us and and take it take grading get grading to the level that it needs to be at, especially with the level of professionalism. With so many other aspects of this hobby, the the maturation that we're going through, the sophistication that we're going through right now, I would love to see grading companies catch up and get right there, eye to eye with the rest of us. Totally, completely hear you. Thank you for the time, Chris. Really appreciate it. Yeah, it's um, been a blast. Super great for everyone. We appreciate the time uh, a ton. So hopefully you'll be back on soon. Um, and give everyone your social real quick for people listening on social, on uh, on podcasts. Thank you so much for having me, guys. My Instagram is Chris underscore HOJ. Feel free to reach out. Love to talk about the hobby anytime. Oh, yep. yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, guys. All right, so that was Chris from House of Jordans. Appreciate Chris coming on and chatting with us. Great conversation talking with him. Wish we would have got a clear answer about the PSA versus BGS, but we'll uh, hopefully get some feedback from the listeners uh, this week on our on our social page. So be sure to let us know your thoughts on Instagram. Again, it's at Card Talk Pod. So we want to get into the latest launch. This is a big, big release, uh, big week for releases. Lou, Ty, I don't know how much uh, you guys have paid attention to what's coming out this week, but a little quick rundown. We've got Triple Threads Baseball, 
National Treasures Collegiate Football, Absolute Memorabilia Football, Prism Racing, Premier Hockey, and Topps Heritage Minor League Baseball. So six solid products coming out this week. I'm very, I'm extremely interested in Prism Racing. Uh, I, for the last year, have had like a weird eye on racing cards. I don't watch NASCAR. I don't watch any racing at all. But there's something about the cards that gets me excited. Um, And I know like that product stack, they have like color blast in there. They got stained glass in there. It's really awesome. So um, I might get weird and like buy a box or if I can find (laughs) a break, I might, might enter a break. That would be a very interesting, very interesting break. I don't know much about the racing markets. That would be. Yeah, it would need be to be a random because I have no idea what I'm doing. Uh, Lou, thoughts on Heritage Minor League Baseball, being the baseball guy. Yeah, it's it's an okay product. I like Heritage generally. Uh, minor League stuff is kind of tough unless it's Bowman for me. So um, I don't keep too close of an eye on it, but the Heritage cards are nice and the designs are nice. So Cool. Ty, any uh, any thoughts on this week's releases? I have urge to buy some like good hockey stuff, but not much interest for me. Is the is this the upper deck product that has like the young guns? In? I'm I have no clue about. Hockey. No, so, uh, it's guns? not. Uh, I'm just drawing parallels because n- none of them truly interest me. Um, so I just want to let y'all know I'm I'm thinking about picking up some some hockey stuff. No, Lou. Uh, in hockey. Yeah. They're like staple products, very similar to like top series one and uh, series one and series two. Hockey has the same thing. Series one, Got series it. two. Uh, you're not chasing autographs or jerseys in there. You're chasing the rookie cards. Typically a hobby box has six or eight young guns per box. Um, so uh, for, for premier, this is one of the more premium brands in hockey. Um, it's um, I think right around two, $220 a box. And for hockey, Got that's, it. That's, That's a lot pretty expensive. Yeah, hockey doesn't have like when COVID happened and basketball and football and baseball all went up. Hockey didn't really see that booze. I mean, even soccer got it. Um, but it's a it's a per, premier brand for for hockey, right? It's 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 yeah. solid. Uh, Triple Threads is going to be cool. Obviously, booklets in that bat knobs, some some pretty uh, some pretty cool stuff in there. That's a higher end product. My understanding is I think that's like two fifty three hundred bucks a box, and you only get like a couple hits. So. Um, I remember growing up, that was always really one of the, the bigger brands. And then we talked about it yesterday. Uh, Absolute has the Kabooms in there. I know Ty's a, a fan of those. Mm-hmm. Um, the Kaboom, like cartoon looking uh, inserts are going to be an Absolute. And then we are going to talk about it on next week's episode, but just to kind of give you guys a little uh, sneak peek into that, National Treasures Collegiate comes out this week. We're going to get into the show next week where we talk about what the National Treasures brand means in the hobby, um, being one of, if not the premier rookie patch autograph across basketball and football, uh, what those cards look like, what the brand means to the hobby. Uh, The one coming out this week is a collegiate product. So at the end of the season, when all the products come out, won't be the best selling one. It's a collegiate product. Those don't typically sell uh, for anything compared to the, the, the pro jersey type stuff, but um, you'll have some cool, some, some cooler stuff in there, some logo patch autos, low numbered stuff, just a higher end collegiate release. So that comes out this week as well. So, um, I just oh, bought a box yeah. of 2020 absolute football with my eBay books. Shout out to Love eBay. It. Love it. Fire. All right. That's all we got for this week. We'll see you guys next week. Peace. That's a wrap on card talk this week. 
please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you listen and get notified when we publish a new episode. It'd mean the world to us if you gave us a five-star rating and shared this episode with a friend. We'd love to answer your questions, so email us at cardtalkpod at gmail.com and we'll get to it in the next episode. Card Talk is a 1.37 p.m. podcast and a Gallery Media Group original production.